Morning, Reality Carp. Um, I just want to say a special I love you to those watching this worship guide uh, this morning. This Sunday is the first time in uh, over three months that we are beginning to gather in this strange COVID season. Um, So this is especially going to those of you who aren't able to make it, um, who aren't able for health reasons or safety reasons, or um, your your heart is not ready yet to be in a large social gathering. We just want to say we love you. We bless you. We miss your presence. Uh, We know there will be a time, Lord willing, uh, unless Jesus comes back or something, thing when we'll be able to see one another again. Um, But until then, we just want to say we see you, we love you, we miss you. Um, And we know that the Lord is able to minister even through uh, technology. So thank you, Lord, for that. Um, So let's get into God's word together. Uh, Let's open up to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 7. We will be reading verses 10 through 24 this morning, and the title of this sermon is Right Judgment, Right Judgment. John 7, we'll pick it up at verse 10. It says this, But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath, a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me? Because on the Sabbath, I made a whole man's body well. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. That was the word of God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your word is perfect. It is God breathed and through it, Lord, you give life. You restore our soul. You bring salvation. You lead us in paths of righteousness. It is the the sword in your hand, Holy Spirit. And so I ask Holy Spirit that you would help us as we study your word together, as we dig into what it means and what what it means for us. 
Holy Spirit, would you allow your word to go down deep and to do its work, increase our faith, increase our love for Jesus. I thank you that we have your word. In a world so confused with so many opinions and so much noise, your word cuts through it all and it allows us to know truth and to to understand what is going on around us and to even judge with right judgment about what is true, what is wrong, what is false, what honors you. So God, I thank you for these precious ones that are watching this video or listening to this. Spirit of God, would you minister to them as they seek to be faithful and proclaim your word. And we just thank you for Jesus. Lord, I thank you that though we were all wandering like sheep, thank you that even though some right now are still lost like a sheep far from its shepherd, Jesus, you came for us. You are the good shepherd and you pursue us and you laid your life down for us that we would have life, that we would know God and be forgiven of our sin and brought back from our wandering and and that we can walk with you so Jesus, our good shepherd, would you, would you lead us now to still waters and green pastures? It's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're gonna break this text down into three headings. It's kind of like three points. Uh, and the first heading is this. I want us to notice the muttering of humanity. Then the next heading will be the teaching of Jesus. And then the third will be the right type of judgment. So first, the muttering of humanity. Let's again just read verses 10 through 13. It says this, But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, he went up also, not publicly, but in private. Now just pause there. If you remember the context, Jesus was just having a conversation with his brothers around his hometown. And they were saying, Jesus, if you want to be famous, go to Jerusalem, show yourself to the world, show everyone your works and your miracles that as many people as possible can see you. And Jesus says, no, you're not thinking the way God thinks. And and I'm not going to go up. And then what this verse says is after his brothers went, Jesus went up privately and not in public. And what Jesus was getting at in the last passage was, was it's not his time to go up in that way that his brothers wanted him to, but Jesus as a good obedient Jew knew it was his duty to the law, to fulfill the law, to obey the law, that he would go to this feast, but he went in his own time and he went privately. And so he goes to Jerusalem. And now again, verse 11, the Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? Now, who are these Jews? If you remember in verse one of the chapter, it says, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go up in in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. So again, the Jews are looking for Jesus and they want to kill him. The leaders, the religious leaders want to kill Jesus. And so they're looking for him. They're waiting for him. They knew he would come to the feast and and they're wondering, where is he? Verse 12, and there was much muttering about him among the people. Some said he's a good man. Others said, no, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. Now, Now notice that phrase, there was much muttering about him. 
Some had this opinion. Some had that opinion. Some wanted to kill him. There's much muttering. And, and this muttering's going on in secret. It's not open. It's just kind of secretly muttering. And all these opinions are being shared. And, and I, I just want us to notice there is nothing new under the sun. Humanity has always been muttering. Humanity has always been full of opinions. In our day and age, there is much muttering. In fact, the most popular social media platform where you share your opinions is called Twitter. It's just that sound of birds chirping, just muttering, making noises. It's just this place where everyone has an equal opportunity to share to whoever follows them, their thoughts, their opinions, their muttering about the state of the world today. If you go online and you look at the news feeds, there is muttering here and there's opinions here and there's perspectives here. And if we've learned anything in 2020, there is so much muttering going on in humanity. We have opinions about COVID over here and about it over here. And we have opinions about what's going on politically over here and over here. And do you know what? It's the same with Jesus. Even this last week, the name of Jesus is being spoken by every major broadcast is one um, journalist shared his opinion that, you know, we all know on earth Jesus wasn't perfect. And so then all the other newscasts are, are talking about what he said and everyone's muttering about Jesus. There are opinions galore. We live in an age where there is more opportunity to hear the mutterings and opinions of people. I was speaking to my wife just the other um, night about this season, this COVID season, and you read this article about this study, and then you read this article about this study, and then you read, no, it's being politicized over here, and then you read, no, it's being politicized over here. There is, and, and my wife was just saying, it's just so hard to know, I, should I trust them? Should I not trust them? There's just so many opinions. There are so many people muttering about the most important to the least important things, notice humanity mutters. There's confusion. Who can know truth? Who can know truth about Jesus? And not only that, notice verse 13 says, yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly about him. Not only is there endless opinions in the world, not only is there endless confusion, there is the real fear of saying the wrong thing. There is the real fear of whatever that authority may be, that you're not just gonna speak openly. And so we know this, we may, we may know, okay, I can speak about this safely over here, kind of in a corner. I, could, I know these people think this, so I can say this over here. Even in the church, there is not always open, honest conversation. There is this fear of man, and so we mutter and we speak, and honestly, dare I say, we gossip, and we speak about others, or we even wonder about others' hearts, or their intent, or what they're thinking, and there's this real fear, this real fear of saying the wrong thing, and so we don't speak openly. 
Notice the state of humanity. Nothing new is under the sun. The only thing different about us than these people is we have technology which allows all of that to just spread across the globe. But the human heart has remained the same. There will always be endless opinions and mutterings and the fear of speaking openly. Notice the muttering of humanity. Yet in this crazy world, Jesus shows up. And I want us to notice the next heading. Notice the teaching of Jesus. We'll be reading verses 14 to 18. And and just look, just begin at verse 14. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. Oh, how refreshing. As people are hiding and whispering and not speaking openly, Jesus, who left heaven and took on flesh, now goes into the middle of all the noise, into the temple where every Jewish male would would be gathered. He goes into the middle of it all. And no one's speaking openly, but Jesus goes and he begins to teach. He doesn't share his opinion. He doesn't give us cultural commentary. He begins to teach the word of God. Just how refreshing is Jesus that he will openly and honestly speak truth to humanity. He is the truth. And so Jesus goes and he speaks openly and he doesn't speak an opinion. He begins to teach, to proclaim God's truth. Now look at verse 15 and 16. The Jews therefore marveled saying, how is it this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. You see, humanity always views uh, that you can only speak if, if you've been trained, if you're getting your authority from an institution or from a teacher. In Jesus's time, it was from a rabbi. And they all knew Jesus wasn't formally trained. He didn't train under this and that rabbi. And, and you know, rabbis at that time, they would always appeal to a previous rabbi. And so there are various schools of thought and there are various places of authority they would appeal to. But Jesus just shows up and begins to proclaim the words of God. Now, listen, what would Jesus be teaching? Just think about that for a moment. Jesus wasn't teaching what, so-and-so rabbi said or what so-and-so rabbi said. What was Jesus teaching? Well, verse 16 says, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And we see all throughout the gospels, what was it Jesus teached? What was that he taught? If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, did did Jesus just kind of whip out some new stuff. No, what Jesus primarily spent his time teaching was literally the Old Testament. He would teach, we see in Luke 4, his first sermon, he opens the Old Testament and he begins to teach it. Jesus, even Jesus taught the Bible. Even Jesus taught God's 
word. And he makes it clear, I'm not just coming to teach my teaching. I'm not just here to speak on my authority, even though he could. He was pointing people to another authority, him who sent me. He is teaching under the authority of God. He is teaching the word of God. Jesus isn't there to just share his opinions, not just to add his voice to all the other voices. He is teaching the word of God. And now look what he says in verse 18. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there is no falsehood. Jesus begins to unpack where he's getting his authority and whose glory he's seeking as he is teaching. And he says this, listen, Jesus gives us criteria from which to judge teachers. Jesus gives us the church criteria for which to to judge what a faithful Bible teacher should and shouldn't do. He gives, he speaks to society. How can you know if someone is a faithful teacher and what they're proclaiming is really true? Look, he says in verse 18, if you are speaking on your own authority, your training, your experience, your wisdom, your insight. Jesus says, do you know what you're really seeking there? You're seeking to glorify yourself. If any preacher, if any author of a book, if any even news source, if any journalist is speaking on their own authority, they are seeking to glorify themselves. They want people to notice them, to notice their giftedness, their uniqueness, their particular perspective. But Jesus says, but if you want a true teacher, if you want to know if someone's really going to tell you the truth, he says this, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there is no falsehood. He just makes a base level principle. If you have a messenger who's uh, been sent to deliver a message, do you know what you want in a messenger? You want that messenger to not tell you anything but the message they were sent to, to tell. You're not asking them for their opinion on the message. You're not asking them for their unique take on the message. What you want, if, if you want a trustworthy messenger, you want them who is gonna say, I'm just gonna tell you what I've been told. I want you to know what this person said. I want, I'm not seeking attention for myself or glory for myself. I don't want to draw attention away from the one who sent me. I'm the messenger. That is the the quality you want in any good messenger, let alone someone who will teach you God's truth. He's saying what you want is someone who is seeking the glory of God, who is concerned about nothing 
else but Christ and him crucified, nothing else but the glory of God, who's acting and speaking on not his own strength or power, but the power and authority of the spirit of God, not by the strength of some messenger, but by the spirit. Jesus is saying, if you want to know what a true teacher looks like, you want someone who is seeking to glorify God. And Jesus is saying, that's me. I'm not here to seek glory for myself. I've been sent and I'm just seeking to speak and and glorify the one who sent me. Man, that, that that is such a helpful way to over like a a paradigm through which we can judge, is this teacher true? Is this book true? Is this messenger speaking truth? And so Jesus, notice the teaching of Jesus. So, So first we've seen the muttering of humanity. Now we see the teaching of Jesus. Now third, we're gonna notice the right type of judgment. The right type of judgment. And that's gonna take us from verse 19 all the way to 24. And now, before we jump into these texts, I just wanna make a clarification here for our sake of understanding. And I called this heading the right type of judgment because not only is, is judgment, could it could be right judgment or wrong judgment, I want us to know what type of judgment Jesus is speaking of. He's not speaking here of what he was speaking of in Matthew 7 when he says, judge not that you may not be judged. He's, he's not talking about what, what Paul talks about in Romans 14 when he says, don't pass judgment on one another. What, what Jesus and Paul are talking about there is that we as human beings are not the judge with which we will judge the hearts and lives of others. Jesus is in Matthew 7 saying, don't go judge someone else because you're going to be judged. And the same measure you use against them will be used against you. And, and Paul in Romans 14 is saying, listen, don't judge one another. We have one judge. It's God. We are not to judge one another. We are to extend grace for one another. We're not to judge one another's hearts or motives. We can't see people's hearts or motives. We're just people. And so the Bible often speaks of us not judging one another. But what Jesus is talking about here in this passage is we are to have right judgment when it comes to truth, when it comes to the word of God, when it comes to discerning, is someone teaching truth? Is someone acting in accord with the word of God or or are they not? And so here Jesus begins to explain and make an example of everything he just said. He's, he's, we're seeing, yeah, there's a lot of opinions and, and there's all kinds of ideas, but Jesus shows up and says, no, this is how you know right judgment. If someone is seeking the glory of God and they're, and they're just trying to speak his word and not their own opinion. And so in verse 19, he, he makes a, a, an example of them. He, he brings up a previous conversation, a, a way that he has been accused of being a false teacher, of being disobedient. And he's explaining, look, you, he, he's saying, are not judging with right judgment. He's pointing out to these people, you are not using God's word rightly. And this is important. There's gonna be some important principles for us here. And, and if we don't heed this, we will do the same type of damage that these Jews did. 
So we, so we want to notice here the right type of judgment. Uh, let's begin at verse 19. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? Now, Jesus here brings up a previous uh, conversation, a previous accusation. Um, what he's referring to here is if you remember a few chapters ago on the Sabbath, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. The man was laying there for many years and Jesus came and he healed the man. And Jesus told that man, why don't you stand up and walk? And that man was accused of breaking the Sabbath because he was carrying his mat. And then that man kind of defended himself by saying, hey, I'm just doing what the guy who healed me told me. And so everyone was upset at Jesus for breaking the Sabbath, for healing a man on the Sabbath. And so Jesus brings that issue up in verse 19. And he's saying, listen, you guys, you guys are judging me. You're trying to say, I am not having right judgment. But he says, first of all, you guys are trying to kill me. I know your hearts. Now, Jesus, uh, as fully God and fully man, he, he had the, uh, I don't know if you call it luxury, but he had the ability uh, the responsibility to know the hearts of people. And so here he brings up, and, and certainly could have been public knowledge by then that they were seeking to kill him. And so he just calls them out. He says, listen, you're trying to judge me, but you're trying to, you are trying to judge me. You're actually in your own hearts seeking to kill me. And here you are judging me while you have murder in your heart. And then what he proceeds to do is he shows them that they are not thinking with right judgment, even when it pertains to that time when he healed a man on the Sabbath. And so he, he begins to explain that in verse 20 to 23. And let's look at Jesus' example, and then we're gonna glean a few principles about making right judgment from it. So verse 20, Jesus, uh, the crowd responds, the crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Verse 21, Jesus answered them, I did one work and you all marvel at it. Moses, and he you know, begins to make an example for, to prove a point. Moses gave you circumcision. Not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath, a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? So what Jesus is pointing out here is simply this. They are attempting to judge Jesus and say that he's not being faithful to the, the law of Moses. And he just brings up a simple example, pointing out their hypocrisy, pointing out their inability to have right judgment. And what he brings up is this. Even the Jews who so honored the Sabbath, the very thing they're accusing Jesus of not doing, if a, if a boy, if a Jewish boy was born on the Sabbath, well, in the law, it says you wait eight days, including that, that first day is the way Jews counted days. And then you circumcise, you circumcise them on the eighth day. 
Well, if a boy was born on the Sabbath, you know, you, you go eight days, including counting that day. Well, that makes him, he needs to be circumcised on the Sabbath. And the Jews were like, well, we need to obey God's word to circumcise this boy on the Sabbath. We can't wait nine days. We need to circumcise him now. And so even the Jews recognized there was a time to honor God to honor his word, where they would in some sense appear to be breaking another commandment. Well, I guess we do need to, you know, do a little bit of work today to circumcise this boy so that we could honor God. And and what Jesus is pointing out is even you, Jewish people, understood that in some ways the, the laws of God had this purpose and what's the heart and what's the main thing. And, and in certain circumstances, it's actually not breaking the Sabbath. If you are doing something good to honor God, Jesus makes this same point in other times when he says, listen, if your animal falls in a ditch on the Sabbath, you don't just say, well, I can't help him out. You, you help him. And so what Jesus is saying is, and he's tying this to circumcision because the Jews believe circumcision in many ways made someone clean. It made their body whole. It made them fit to be well into the Jewish nation. And so Jesus is saying, if you're willing to do this act, to circumcise a boy on the Sabbath, how could you judge me for doing the ultimate version of making someone's body well and fit for the kingdom of heaven, to be a member, a clean member in the Jewish community. And Jesus is simply here pointing out their own hypocrisy, that they are so twisted with their traditions of man that they are, they are not able to make right judgment. And Jesus just simply calls them out in verse 24, do not judge by appearances. Don't make your judgments superficial. Don't make your judgments based on simply the traditions and opinions and the authority of men or women, but judge with right judgment. Judge with the kind of judgment that truly honors God, that truly gets to the heart of what God is intending in his word. Jesus is saying, you need to judge with right judgment. Now, just to make this and pull a few practical principles for us in this type of teaching moment that Jesus is teaching, we're we're eavesdropping on, on Jesus' teaching about right judgment, what are just a few principles that we can pull away from this, apply to our life, to our life decisions, to having right judgment in a crazy world where we're trying to discern what is true and what is not true and what is a faithful pastor or preacher and what is an unfaithful pastor or preacher? How can we have right judgment in this time? And in many ways, this is is gonna summarize a few things and just clarify a few things for us so we can take these with us and go through these these four points about am I am I am I making right God honoring God glorifying judgment in this particular situation? So so what is right judgment? First, we see right judgment is not number one based on the opinions of people. Right judgment is not based on the opinions of people. We see that here as people muttered and murmured. We see that right judgment isn't based on taking a vote 
It's not the majority. It's not even up to the religious authority of the, the, the current time. It, frankly, hear me say this, right judgment is not based on even the authority of a faithful local church and what the faithful pastors have to say. That is not the ultimate place where we get our authority from the opinions of people. Right judgment is, is, is deeper than just those things. It is not based on the opinions of people. Now, again, I'll just make a little clarifier here. Um, the Bible, the book of Proverbs tells us to seek a multitude of counselors. But there's a reason why it says that. The purpose of counselors is to help us see what God has said. It's not to just take their opinions and then their opinions and then weigh it. A right counselor will help you recognize where you are off, where you are not making right judgment, where you are not thinking according to God and his wisdom. And a multitude is going to help recognize all kinds of potential blind spots. And the more counsel, good counsel you get, the more blind spots will be pointed out and, and it'll help you see what right judgment, what God's good judgment would be. And so the first principle is right judgment is not based on the opinions of people. Secondly, we see here, right judgment is not based or maybe I should put it this way, right judgment is, is skewed or ruined by the fear of man. Right judgment is skewed by the fear of man. Again, we see the fear of man in these people. They weren't, they weren't thinking clearly. They weren't judging clearly. Even the religious authorities, the teachers weren't thinking rightly because they all feared one another. They all feared man. They all wanted glory from people. But that skews our judgment. The book of Proverbs says the fear of man is a trap. It's a snare. We can never please everybody. And the more we think about what is so-and-so going to say, or what is this group of people going to say, the more we are clouding right judgment. Right judgment is skewed by the fear of man. Number three, right judgment is made when our deepest desire is to glorify God. Right judgment in our head is made when our hearts long to glorify God. When our hearts are longing to glorify anyone or anything else besides God, it clouds our brains. We can't make good decisions. We can't see clearly. It even ruins and affects the way we understand the scriptures. Verse 17, look at that verse again. This, this verse is so deep. It says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or rather I am speaking on my own authority. He, he speaks to someone's heart, their will, their desires first. He's saying, if your heart is right before God and honest before God, it's repented and it's just longing to glorify God. If your will is to glorify God, to do what he wants you to do, then it says, he will know 
he will know, he will be able in his mind to discern faithful teaching or not. Jesus says, he'll say this in a few chapters in uh, John chapter 10. He says, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. The sheep, the, the, the faithful Christians, the ones who long to honor God and to do God's will, the ones who've been rescued from their sin and, and say, Jesus, I am yours. You are my master. You are my shepherd. Whatever you say, wherever you call me, I will go. Where you lead, I will follow. He says, my sheep Rec- they know, they intellectually recognize if this is my voice or not. A Christian, if they desire to know and do God's will, they will be able to discern rightly in the world. And so for many of us, um, the first problem when we're trying to make right decisions is do we love God? Do we seek to glorify God? Am I seeking to honor God in this decision? To the, it, it, uh, Proverbs also says, the fear of God, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. When we're trying to have wisdom in a, in a, in a situation, are we fearing God? Is, is God what we are most in awe of, most concerned with? When I need, when I need wisdom, is, is it being governed by my desire to please and honor God. Because if it is, all of a sudden, the fear of man doesn't rule me anymore. It's the fear of God that's ruling me. And it's not based on all the opinions of people. It's based on, well, what does God say? What does God call me to do? And so right judgment is made when we desire to glorify God. So right judgment is not based on the opinions of people. Number two, it's, it's skewed when we fear people. Number three, it's made when we desire to glorify God. And then fourth, finally, right judgment is based on a proper understanding and use of God's word. It is based on a proper understanding and use of God's word. Again, the Jews, they didn't fear God. They did fear people. They weren't trying to glorify God but themselves. And therefore, they misused Scripture. And not only did they misuse Scripture, that brought real damage. They would rather have seen that man continue in his illness than to see Jesus heal him on the Sabbath. Hear me we will do great damage to people, to our own lives, to the lives of others in our church and in our communities. If we are misusing scripture, if we are fearing people, if we are not seeking to glorify God, when, we, when those things don't line up, all of a sudden we are, we are not even capable of using and reading scripture rightly. We then turn it for our own ends. We use the Bible as Satan uses the Bible to, to do what we want. We twist it. We, we use it this way. We use it that, not in a way that glorifies or honors God. And so right judgment is based on, and really it's, it's fruit. When we seek to glorify God, then we will rightly be able to approach scripture and understand what it's saying and, and have right judgment there. And so right judgment is based on a proper 
understanding and use of Scripture. Now, I just want to close with this reflection for us together. How good is Jesus in this world where there is so much confusion and so many opinions and our own hearts tend to fear people or want to please people or seek attention or glory for ourselves. When, when we are confused, when we are even being led astray in many ways, we, we, we live in this crazy, broken world. But how good is Jesus that he would leave heaven, become a man, and he would speak truth And he would declare the word of God. And he would rescue lost sheep like us. Wandering, going our own way, making our own judgment. Twisting what God has said, rebelling, disobeying against God. How good is Jesus? That he would love the world enough to confront every false way, every lie that a person believes, that he would defeat the father of lies, the enemy, the devil, that he would conquer and overcome all the lies that are found in the world as all this sin comes together in cultures and systems and false religions that he would even confront you and I in love with truth, that we have gone our own way. But he would go to the cross for lost sheep and like a lamb, he was led to be slaughtered and he laid his life down and on the cross, he received God's good judgment, God's wrath, God's perfect holy wrath against all of the sin and the lies and the darkness of anyone who would come to him. Jesus would be judged for our lack of judgment, for our lack of good, right judgment. Jesus would be judged on the cross and he would die and he would be buried and he would rise again three days later so that someone could come tell you the truth the good news, the gospel, that you can be forgiven of your sin and all your false judgments and all your confusion, all that could be taken away. Your heart could be made right so that you would long to do God's will and so that you would be given the mind of Christ so that you could open up the Bible and discern God's will. You could hear from God and, and that God's word, that the teaching of Jesus would cut through all the opinions and noise and opinions of the world. How good is our Jesus? How merciful and loving is our Jesus? That he would come and speak truth and he would cut through so that even in 2020 with all the muttering and opinions there are, 
you and I could have right judgment. We could grow to be more like Jesus and we could follow Jesus and we could go into public spaces and into our friendships and declare truth and and declare God's teaching on any given issue because we know that the truth sets us free. So Lord, I just thank you again for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for your teaching, your faithful teaching. Cuts through our confusion and confronts every false way. Like light shining in darkness. We thank you, Jesus, for your word. Would we grow in loving your word, Lord. Would you make us a people who could make right judgment in this dark and confused time that we would not look only to the opinions of people, that we would not seek to please people, but that we would be consumed with the desire to do your will and to glorify you so that we would be equipped, that we'd be equipped for life and for godliness. We know you have provided that Christ. We thank you for the cross. Spirit of God, I just, I ask that you would, you would use your word now to bear fruit in the hearts and lives of those who are hearing me now. If anyone is yet to even come to Christ, would you draw them out of darkness and help them see the beauty of Jesus who brings sanity and salvation to the world. It's in Jesus' name, amen.